Well, good morning. Seems like a long time since I've brought a message here uh, due to schedules and also a trade that lengthened that time out just a little bit. There's many blessings of being a part of the Church of Jesus Christ. So first and foremost, we have the blessing of forgiveness. Blessing of uh, being right with the Lord. But there's physical blessings as well. And I'm not asking when I ask I ask some questions, and there's these are questions to think about. I'm not asking you to raise your hand necessarily. But how many of you all have experienced a physical need and had that need met by the brotherhood, by your brothers and sisters rallying around you, sharing financially, sharing of goods? How many of you have faced an illness and had the members of the church come to your aid? Maybe they supplied food when mother was sick and couldn't prepare food. Or maybe you faced medical bills that seemed insurmountable. And the church came together and they were paid. Those are physical blessings that we have probably either experienced or we have observed others being blessed by those things. And you know, as we observe others being blessed by those things, it gives us a confidence as we face the future that if we face some of these difficult things that we know that our needs as well will likely be met. So those are some physical blessings of being a part of the church. But there's spiritual blessings as well. How many of us have faced some difficult time in your life spiritually and had a brother or sister come along beside you and encourage you, pray for you, How many of us have experienced the encouragement of someone coming to us and just simply saying that you're on my mind, I'm praying for you? Or maybe you've had somebody come and say, you know, I'd like to talk to you about something I see in your life. I have a concern. Something that could be a a spiritual hindrance. I want to give you a word of encouragement. You know, these things are blessings that we have that are spiritual in nature. These are the blessings that help us not just to navigate the difficulties of life, but they help us to navigate the spiritual pitfalls, the spiritual difficulties that we face. It's a blessing, it's a blessing that helps us to stay on the straight and narrow way. Now, what am I talking about this morning? There's a word to describe what I'm talking about. Anybody want to guess what it is? 
brotherhood. Thank you, Paul. I preached this message at Mabel last week, and nobody's brave enough. Brotherhood. I'd like us to consider brotherhood a little bit this morning. I'd like us to think about what brotherhood is and how we, the blessings of it, what it does, and and, uh, how we can build and also how we can just tear down brotherhood. And it's a deep subject, and I feel like I'm only scratching the surface. So if there's something that should be said that I don't say this morning, it's not because it's not important, it's because you can't cover the entire subject in one message. I think we all agree that the blessing of brotherhood is, a, is an enormous blessing. And it's a, it's a blessing that people out in the world today don't understand and they don't experience because they don't have it. And yet, we have it, but yet we often take it for granted. So what is brotherhood? A dictionary definition of brotherhood is this, the quality or state of being brothers, fellowship, alliance, and association as a labor union or monastic society for a particular purpose, the whole body of persons engaged in a business or profession. So in that definition, you have the idea of a group of people that has a common goal, a group that's working together for the same purpose. And that's a pretty good description of the church. A group of people with a common goal working together for the same purpose. So we should be united by a common goal of serving the Lord and honoring Him and of spreading the, the good news of, of the gospel. And we should as well be determined to strengthen one another in that goal. That's what brotherhood's about, that I don't have to go out and do it all by myself. I have brothers and sisters along beside of me that are helping me to accomplish the goal. So what can we do to build brotherhood? I'd like to consider a little what the basis for brotherhood is. Jesus said in John 13, verse 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So is love what builds brotherhood? Is Is our brotherhood built on love? see a couple people saying yes I'm going to disagree with you it's not love has is a part of it if love is the basis for brotherhood all we need to do is work really hard on building love for each other and then we're going to have brotherhood And I'm afraid that if, if love becomes our focus, or, or let, me, let me say that a little differently. If love for each other becomes our focus, I'm afraid that 
we're going to actually develop something other than true love. I think that if, if, our, if our focus is love, we're going to simply focus on getting along. And we're going to develop something called tolerance, not love. Because you see, tolerance allows me to disagree with Daryl, but yet we can still get along. We can still shake hands at church on Sunday morning and smile and have a good time together. But we're not on the same page. That's tolerance. But love is what causes me to address the difficult issue between Daryl and I and, and bring us to an, a different level of relationship. So yes, brotherhood does include love for one another. But I think that our basis for brotherhood must not be built upon love but it has to be built upon, first and foremost, surrender to the Lord and serving Him faithfully. That becomes our common goal, our common foundation that we build upon. And then love for one another, love for the brotherhood, flows out of that dedication of being built on that foundation of loving and serving and surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. I also want us to consider that brotherhood is not about me. John F. Kennedy said, ask not what you can do, what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. That's the idea of, of brotherhood. It's not about me, but it's about what I can do for others, for the brotherhood. As we as individuals experience many blessings of being a part of brotherhood, but yet it's not about me. We experience the blessing, but rather we experience it through surrender. Surrender, first of all, as I said, to the Lordship of Christ. And surrender to the body, giving up myself for the good of everyone else. When we want to stand for what we want individually, for our personal rights, we're likely tearing down brotherhood rather than building. Because brotherhood is built on surrender, first of all, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and secondly, to one another. I invite you to turn, first of all, this morning to Philippians 2. I want to read here what Paul says about our Lord Jesus Christ as being our example first eight verses of Philippians 2. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, 
Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Paul is here entreating the Philippians that if they have experienced a blessing from being united with Christ, from being a part of of the body of Christ here on earth, that there's some things that they need to do. And I see him calling them to oneness, to unity. He says they're to be like-minded. They're to have the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. And so I see here that he's speaking of not of individuality, but of unity. Unity in purpose. Unity in surrender. In verse 3, it admonishes that we should do nothing out of strife or vainglory. Another translation says to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Again, it's striking at me. Not my way, but a surrender to Christ's way, first of all, and to the body. You know, we all think that we have a unique viewpoint on the things of life, you know, and, and that our way of understanding things is, is a, should be clear to everybody. That the way I see it's a good way. You know, that's just human nature. But Paul is saying that in the church we need to lay down personal ambition and desires. We need to be willing to submit to the body. And then in verse 4 he says that we should look not on our own things but on the things of others. I think he's saying there that the idea of having the good of our brothers and sisters is our primary goal. How often is the way I think something should be done. My opinion on it has my advantage in mind. But he's saying here that your goal should be the good of your brothers and sisters. Not looking out for yourself so much as them. And that's how brotherhood works. As we each... Each member looks for the, out for the good of the other. Then every member is cared for. And I think that as we, as we practice that, I think that we probably receive better care overall than what we can care for ourselves. There's strength in numbers. There's a blessing in that brotherhood. And then verses 5 through 8, here he, here he sets Christ as our example. He says, Christ willingly made himself of no reputation. He gave up the glory that he had with God in heaven. 
and came to earth to suffer so that we could be reconciled to God. Jesus' example was of obedience, of humility, and sacrifice. And you know, if Jesus wasn't willing to give up of himself, if he wasn't willing to give up what was rightfully his, and wasn't willing to humble himself, if he wasn't obedient to the Father, we wouldn't be here today. We would have never received that perfect sacrifice for our sins. And so if we want to build brotherhood, we need to have the mind of Christ. The willingness to let go of our reputation and to sacrifice our rights for the good of the brotherhood. I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't know if I'll read all of these verses uh, because of time. Maybe just read a few of them. Chapter 12, starting at verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. And then drop down to 14. For the body is not one member, but many. This is... Speaking of the physical body, if the foot shall say, because I'm not of the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, I'm not of the, uh, not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God hath set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? And it goes on to, to speak here of, of, he gives a comparison between the members of the church in comparison to the different members of our body. And the idea is, is that the members of our body each have a purpose. No matter how insignificant, they all play a part. I was thinking about this this morning and I thought, you know, one of the most important parts of our body are our hands and our arms. If, if, if you tied somebody's hands and their arms down to where they could not use them, there's little that a person could, could go forth in life and do. But you know, what makes my hands work? You know, you can, you can say that if it wasn't for the stomach digesting food, my hands wouldn't have any energy to work. But, you know, without the circulatory system, that energy from that food that was digested would never make it to my hands. And so, see, all these little intricate parts work together to make the entire body work. And one body part can't distance itself from the others and say that I don't need the rest of the body because they all work together. And that's how it is in the church, in the brotherhood. And you know, if, if one of our, the members of our bodies all of a sudden quits working properly, if, if all of a sudden my hand would, would quit working, I would be pretty alarmed. And I would probably seek medical attention fairly quickly. 
But how often within the body of Christ, within the church, do we see that a member ceases to function properly and we aren't alarmed? You know, we need to be alarmed when, when we see a brother or a sister going off on their own, going a, going a, a direction that's not good, or maybe they're facing some struggle and things aren't functioning as they should. We need to take attention. We need to address those problems. That's part of building brotherhood. We also need to remember that in the body of Christ, in the brotherhood, we each, no matter how small and insignificant we may feel like we are, are important. Just like the small, insignificant, unseen parts of our body can be very essential to its proper function. So it is in the brotherhood. You know, Jesus told the parable of the talents And in that parable of the talents, he made it clear that it wasn't important what each person had been given, but what was important is what they did with what they had been given. And so, in the body of Christ, God has given us each different abilities, different talents, different responsibilities. It's our responsibility to be faithful with what we have been given so that the body can function together properly. I'd also like to talk just a little more about unity. We've already looked at that a little. But Jesus' plan and his desire for his church is unity. I want to turn to John chapter 17. Some familiar verses here that just really struck me in a new way. John seventeen twenty through 23. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that thou, they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Notice in those verses that twice Jesus says that that our that the the oneness of his people, the unity of his people, is going to be is going to demonstrate to the world who Jesus is. In verse twenty one. He talks about us being one, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And in verse 23, that they may be made perfect in one, 
that the world may know that thou hast sent me. Then NIV says that they may be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me. Our unity as a brotherhood is a demonstration to the world of who Jesus is. And I read that and I was impressed. And I've wondered, I had to wonder as I pondered that, how much disunity within the church has hampered the spread of the gospel message. How much it has hampered outreach. And I'm not sure that this is talking so much about open conflict. I'll pick on Daryl since I did earlier. You know, Daryl and I have a real disagreement and we're really butting heads. I don't know. I mean, that, yes, that's part of it. But I think it's speaking about our goals as a church. What we should be striving for. And as I thought about that, I thought about a church, and then this morning I was thinking about it, and I thought about another church group that seems to have been very effective in reaching out to people in their communities. And I have to wonder, is, does it, is it a reflection upon their unity, their commitment to each other, they're, they're, they're being unified in belief and practice. Because Jesus said that that is going to demonstrate to the world who he is. And I think we need to be taking that very seriously. I believe that that's a unity that demonstrates that Jesus is reigning in the hearts and lives of every member of a group. That Jesus is controlling every one of us, not our own selfish wills and desires. And somehow I really wonder if the world looking on doesn't see through some of our charades a whole lot better than we think they do. I think that if we want to build the church, we need to build brotherhood, and part of brotherhood is unity. Paul also addressed the issue of unity in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Summing that verse up, what I see there is the church putting forth a common front. That we all speak the same thing. We're, we're, not, we're not going out from here demonstrating division, but we're going forth from here demonstrating unity. Another translation says, 
But I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to agree in what you profess. And our profession is what comes out of our mouth, and it's our actions, and it's our appearance. It's, it's all of us. It's, it's what we demonstrate to the world. So we need to put forth a united front. in the outworking of our faith. I believe that unity under biblical standards is going to point people to the Lord because it takes the focus off of us as individuals. We as individual members of the brotherhood need to be willing to to lose our personal identity in the identity of the brotherhood. All of this takes humility. It takes dying to self. It takes submitting to one another. And I want to read just a couple of verses that point out some of those things. Romans 12.3, you don't need to turn to these. Romans 12.3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So he's saying here we need to have a proper view of ourselves. As I talked in earlier, our tendency is to promote ourselves, to promote our own ways. But if we're going to build brotherhood, we need to learn to be in subjection, to submit our own opinions to the opinions of others at times. Because in brotherhood, we can't all do it my way all the time. We have to work together. 1 Peter 5.5, 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and give the grace to the humble. Again, in brotherhood, we need to be in submission to those that are, that are the elders, the, the older, the more experienced. But not just to the elders. He says to be subject to one another. Again, a reminder that, that in brotherhood, the focus needs to be off of me. And it means, needs to be on the good of the whole. We need to be open to our brothers and sisters. We need to foster accountability. We need to welcome the input of our brothers and sisters into our lives. How quick we can be to, when somebody says, I have a concern, to raise our defenses. That's not brotherhood. We need to welcome the input of others into our lives. How do you feel if somebody comes to you and says, I have a concern about you, something in your life? Or how do you feel if somebody just comes and says, you very sincerely looks you in the eye and says, how are you doing spiritually? Do you welcome that? Do you submit to that advice? Do you share your struggles freely? 
That's how we build brotherhood. By, by being open, by being subject one to another. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give it account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So we have leadership within the church, and we're responsible to willingly obey and submit to our leaders. And no, your leaders aren't perfect. Because they're humans. But your leader's goal, as it says here, is to give an account with joy and not with grief. So much more could be said about brotherhood, about its blessings, and what we can do to promote it. But in closing, I'd like us to consider that we've probably all talked about the blessing of brotherhood. And we've probably all talked with pity about the people out in the world that don't have that blessing. But if we aren't willing to do our part to build brotherhood, we'll likely lose brotherhood, or at least experienced a diminished brotherhood. I've been pondering this subject for some time, for the last month probably at least, because I believe that we're seeing a shift in our churches towards more of an individualistic attitude and less of an attitude of submission to the brotherhood. And you know, individuality is all around us in the world. And I believe that those influences are creeping in to the church. And while we may be able to be individualistic and get by at least for a while, I do firmly believe that if we allow individualism to, to creep into our lives, our brotherhood will start to become weakened. It will start to become based on something other than the submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to lose our common goals, we're going to lose our brotherhood, or at least it will be weakened. And I also believe that individuality within the church, rather than submission to brotherhood, is going to hinder our witness, it's going to hinder our ability to reach out in our communities and to spread the gospel message. And brothers and sisters, that's something that we should all take very, very seriously today. Because Christ wants us to spread his gospel. He doesn't want us to spread our agendas. He wants us to spread his gospel message. So I challenge each of us this morning to think and to examine our lives and our attitudes. Are you and am I committed to and surrendered to brotherhood? 
Or are we allowing individualism to creep in, to weaken that brotherhood, and to weaken or hamper our, our witness to the world around us? The degree to which we're willing to surrender ourselves and our wills to the Lordship of Christ, to the leadership of the church, and to one another within the church is going to affect the level of blessing that we experience from brotherhood. And it will also impact our witness. In true brotherhood, all need to be fully committed. What is your level? What is my level of commitment? May God bless you.